We're in John chapter 15. If you have that, go ahead and turn with me to John chapter 15. I'm going to read this passage that you guys are really familiar with. This is not something that you're going to say, oh, I've never heard this before. You've heard it before, uh, but tonight I want to share a little different way from us and just look at four main parts of this. Uh, but listen along. I want you to listen for a recurring theme in this passage in John chapter 15 where he says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch of mine that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you, have, already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me as I in you, and as a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing." If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be given to you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, and you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you, that, your joy may, that, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. What is a recurring theme? There's probably a couple of them that you can say. What? Abide and what else? What? Do it for the vine. That's right. There's another word that you guys heard a lot of in there as well too. It starts with an F and sounds like root. There we go, Fruit. So you guys heard those two words. We're going to talk about those. Um, you notice that Jesus is talking about uh, vines. He's talking about um, grapes, vineyards. This is not something that's uncommon to the people of Israel. Uh, now, Jesus' followers, we don't see in Scripture that any of them were farmers uh, for, for vineyards. They were fishermen. They were tax collectors. Uh, they were different men of that sort. But in the economy of Israel... This was a very common thing. Uh, actually, there was a lot of money that was made um, off of vineyards and, and, and with wine and, and grapes and different things of that as well, too. So Jesus is not introducing something new. Uh, Billy Graham actually does this quite well. Well, you guys are starting to get too young. How many of you guys know who Billy Graham is? Bible Belt. There we go. Now, if I ask that same question when we're in Houston or California, people would be like, oh, I don't know. Uh, okay, that's right. I forgot. We were, we were grown out of scripture down here in the South. Um, not really. We think we were sometimes. But so Billy Graham also did the same thing uh, when he went into cities. He would, he would get the newspaper about two months out. That way he could read what was going on. He would, he would see what sports was going on at the time. He would talk about their team, uh, particular superstar athletes. All of this would come out in Billy Graham's preaching. Why? Well, because he wanted to connect with the people. Did Billy Graham come up with this idea? No, Jesus did. And that's what Jesus is doing here. In this, he's connecting with his audience. He's connecting with those that are around him. He's connecting with his disciples. So he's talking about something that's very, very familiar with them. Uh, he's talking about vineyards and vines, abiding, branches, grapes, uh, and all this stuff, fruit. So tonight, I want to talk about four different elements of this passage of Scripture, four key things that he taught on. He talked about the vine. He talked about the vine dresser, he talked about branches, and he talked about the fruit. So I want us to kind of just look at all four of those things and what Jesus is talking about. That way we can see how they are into our life. So first, let's look at the vine. 
Now, in Scripture, we see that Jesus is talking about the vine. In Scripture, anytime Scripture is talking about the vine, we have to find out where we are in Scripture. If we're in, if we're in Revelation, that vine is representative of something different than the vine of the Old Testament versus the vine of the Gospels. So, so what, what do I mean by that? In the Old Testament, the vine represents Israel. As a matter of fact, I think it's Psalm. Psalm 80 talks about how God transplanted the nation of Israel into the land of Canaan. So it, it's, it's the picture of someone, uh, like this happens at our home all the time, someone digging up a plant if your husband just ran over it with a lawnmower. Yeah, that happens a lot. I might mark those things. I mean, it looks like grass to me. Get some colors, honey. Uh, but so anyway, so it's like digging that plant up, taking it to a new spot and planting it somewhere else. That's what Psalm says that God did for the nation of Israel. How did we see that? Why does that say that? What happened? Remember Abraham? Of course, it was Abram at the time. Abram was told by God, hey, pick up your stuff, pack up, and go. Go to a land I'm going to show you. So Abram went. This is where we get into the nation of Israel, the journey for the 40 years, and finally they cross over the Jordan River into the Promised Land. That's the land that they're talking about, the land of Canaan. Now, Scripture refers to this as what type of land? A land what? Flowing with milk and honey. Now, did it literally have milk kind of flowing through the riverbanks? Did it have honey dropping off the tree? No. But it meant that this land was abundant with all the things that the nation of Israel would need to grow. So, I mean, if I've just squashed something there for you, like the tooth fairy is real, if I've just squashed that for you too, sorry. Uh, But there wasn't really this land that Jesus talked about that flowed with milk and honey. It's symbolic that, hey, this land had everything. Everything that the nation of Israel did. So he's talking about that as a vine. But now we know history tells us that the nation of Israel, when they were transplanted into this new land, did they prosper? Not so much. Why did they not prosper? So ultimately, they didn't follow God. So where that vine, symbolically, was given everything it needed... It didn't produce. As a matter of fact, Scripture says that it produced a thing like sour grapes. In other words, it wasn't a good vine at all. Now, so what did Jesus do? Jesus chastened his people. Now, in Scripture, when we say chasten, what does that mean? What? Punish. It's almost like the picture of a dad giving a child a spanking. It's a discipline. God chastens us because he loves us. So, so this is what we see. This is talking about the vine of the past. It's symbolic of Israel. Now, I talked about the one in Revelation. This gets really deep, so I'll just talk about it really quick. It talks about the harvest that's to come in the future. There we go. Now, uh, and if you want to know more about that, we can talk more about that at another time. But the more important vine that we're talking about now is the vine that represents what? Who's talking? Jesus. What does the first part of that passage say? I am the true vine. So who is the vine representing at this point in the Gospels? Jesus. See, this is that church answer where you guys get to, if you fall asleep and you wake up, Jesus. That Say that every time if it's not an amen. So this is Jesus that they're talking about. This is him. Um, he is the representative. He says, I am the true vine. Um, so, and it, but it also says more than that. I'm, I'm sorry. It, the true vine means it's more than that. He's the original, and everything else is just purely, merely a copy. Now, we've done this with the Lord, the true vine, 
What does it mean when you put the in front of something? Places importance on it, right? So Jesus is the true vine. He's the original. He's the preeminent. He's the prominent. In other words, so Jesus is the one that's set apart. So that's what Jesus is talking about. I am the true vine. Everything else is a copy of me. And then he talks about the branches. So there, there's, a, there's a union or a symbolism between the vine and the branches. And we'll talk more about that in a few moments when, when we get into that. But it represents our union, our living union with Christ. There's union and communion when it comes to our relationship with, with the Lord. So he is the one that is talking about where he says, I am the true vine. The other thing I want us to look at talks about the branches. Now, a branch is useless and weak. Once you cut it off from the tree, what happens to the branch? At that moment, it starts to die. Ladies, how many, how many of you have flowers at home right now? Somebody's giving you flowers or something like that. No, they're dead, girl. Those things are getting ready to go in the trash. I've been waiting on them to die since you got them. Uh, so somebody else. Ain't nobody else has flowers? Okay, you have flowers. You have flowers? Who got you flowers? Oh, my Lord. Okay, that are not planted in your yard that are, thank you. Who got you flowers? Mother's Day, mom's flowers. How many weeks ago was Mother's Day? Just one? Happy Mother's Day, honey. So, uh, no, but so, just in case I didn't do that then. Uh, we weren't actually together on Mother's Day. No, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. But the moment that those flowers got picked, cut, plucked, whatever, what do they start doing? Die. They start to wilt. They start to die. Why is it that they start to die immediately? They don't have water. More importantly, what have you done? You've pulled them. What Someone said it over here. You've cut them off from their source. Now, I want you to realize something here. For us, when we read this whole thing, talking about vine and branches and fruit and all that, realize, what does that look like for us? All those trees that they're knocking down out there right now. In that tree, the trunk of the tree is the vine. You've got the branches and you've got the fruit. What fruit does a pine tree grow? Pine cones. So you guys are with me. So, I mean, so there's different types of fruit that grow off of trees. I'm not talking about fruit that's edible. It just produces something. So Jesus refers to the branches here. Now, I said that branches are useless. As a matter of fact, if you come to our home, we have a log home. Most of you guys know this. Are there any branches used at all in the building of our log home? No. It's only logs. It's the vine. See, because those branches are not useful for anything. They're useful for one of two things. For burning, when you go start a fire... Where's our, where's our trail life for our Boy Scouts and stuff? What do you do? You start with the small. I, I've had to do this in like four feet of snow. And trust me, if I didn't build one, I would die. Uh, so you had to start this fire in like this blizzard that was coming. It was in Washington State. You start with the small, and then you start adding these other things on, squall wood. Then you start adding what? Branches. Now, eventually, if you get it hot enough, you can do what? You can throw a whole tree on that joker, and it'll burn. But see, branches are used for growing fruit, or for burning. That's it. They're not used for building whatsoever. Now, I want you to know, hear all of this stuff <clears throat> because Jesus refers to us as branches. Interesting. And see, when we start to really grasp this in our life, so much makes more sense. 
And, and I'll talk about that in a moment. But let's go back to the image where it talks about that abiding in me, I and you, um, I'm the vine, you are the branches. In verse 5, whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Here's that talk of union and communion. Now, this is a very familiar thing. Because with, with Christ and the church, it's that of the head and the body, right? Christ is the head of the church. We are the body of Christ. So there's that symbolism. My head and my body are attached, right? There's some union and communion that's going on here. I hope that that continues until my life is over. In other words, I want to keep this sitting on here for my whole life. Uh, But that's not the only thing that Scripture talks about with union and communion. Here's some other things. Uh, The body and its members, the bride and the bridegroom. We just did a wedding not too long ago. We, We saw this, the union and communion that takes place with a bride and a bridegroom, also with the sheep and the shepherd. Now, how does that work? Well, the sheep, I mean, the shepherd tells the sheep where to go. But if the sheep don't mind the shepherd, then are they protected? No. Do you start to see how all of this makes sense? Because this is how God has created nature. Because God provides for us. But we need to be obedient, right? And let me tell you what. When you get married, this... Union and communion takes some work and takes some, some devotion. If you're not putting that into it, it doesn't go so well. But if you do, it's a beautiful place to be. So all of this is showing the, uh, the, the, the relationship that Christ has with his believers. Um, and so as soon as we get this, life is so much better for us. But we talked about the word abide uh, in this passage of Scripture. What does abide mean? Just throw out the very generic Floyd County School or Rome City School definition that you've got? Or if you go to, what? Remain. Awesome. What else does it mean? Remain. What else does it mean? Obey or remain or starts with a C, ends in an E, sounds like continue. Continue. Yeah. So that's, (laughs) so that's exactly what it means. So it means to remain, it means to abide, it also means to continue. Um, Now, we have to continue or remain or abide in fellowship with Christ. Why? What? So we don't stray, okay. What else? Surrounding this passage of Scripture, if we remain or continue or abide in Christ, we don't die, okay. We remain rooted. What? Someone said it. Bear fruit. Guys, that's the point of our life. For Christ to work through us. That's why he has the picture of the vine and the branches. The branch bears fruit when it stays connected to the vine. That is our whole plot in life. To remain in Christ, which allows Christ to to work through us. We'll talk about that as we get closer to it as well. Now, obviously, we, we, we know that, that this takes some work, like I said, but how do we know if we are abiding in Christ? Is our special feeling? Do we know? Do we like feel like, yes, I'm abiding in Christ? How, how do you know if you're abiding in Christ? Because if that's important, don't we want to know this? How do we know? You can see it, huh? Get tempted more? Okay, possibly. All right, well, let's, 
Let's look at this and let's talk through it. All right, how do we know that we're, we're abiding in Christ? One thing is you produce fruit. We're going to talk about fruit in a few moments, uh, but I, I don't want to get too deep into that. But another way that we know that we are abiding in Christ is we produce fruit, but also we experience this thing called pruning. We'll talk about pruning too. Pruning doesn't sound too fun. It's not. I'm not going to lie. My wife, we used to have this huge rose garden in Houston, that home that we were looking at earlier on Google Maps. I love that place. 1111 West Castlewood. That's where most of life started for us. Uh, so we're, we're at there, and my wife has like this whole corner of our backyard, which was awesome because I didn't have to mow that spot. Of course, you know, us in that big quarter acre, it took me 37 minutes running. Uh, but so we had this corner of our, of our, of our land, and we had, how many rose bushes did we have? Either way, stick with me here. It's not time for you to be right. Yeah, there we go, 20. So we had about 20 rose bushes in there. And when we would start this thing, Suzanne would, would plant it in the ground. Um, and obviously that's where all the nourishment is. And it would start to grow. And as soon as this thing would start growing a shoot this way, it wouldn't be long to where she would cut it off. And I'm like, why'd you cut that rose off? And she says, well, because it's time to prune it back and all this stuff. But well, I thought you wanted it to grow roses. She said, yeah, but if I cut this off, all the energy that's going out through this flower, through, through this branch, when I cut it off, this energy is going to be dis- dispersed evenly amongst the rest of the bush, and it's going to grow evenly. And if one starts growing off this way, I'm going to prune it off. And then slowly but surely, it was so awesome because this bush would get manicured, you know, a branch at a time being cut off, a rose at a time being cut off, and before you know it, it was huge. We had some awesome, awesome rose bushes. It's what our life is about. Now, is pruning fun? No, we'll talk more about pruning in a moment. But that's, that's one of the ways that you know that you're abiding in Christ. You produce fruit. You're pruning. Um, some other things that, that Scripture says in John 15, 7, it talks about your prayers are answered. Um, and John, later on in John, talks about how you experience a deeper love for Christ and other believers. It's because your heart is continuing to change and to grow. Um, and so those are just a few ways that you know that you're abiding in Christ. Now, this relationship between a vine and its branches in nature, it's natural. It's a normal thing that takes place. Not so much with us. It takes work on our part. We have to pursue to remain or continue in Christ. What does that look like? Scripture reading, prayer, worship, quiet time, study, that's how all these things look. So that has to do with branches. Uh, so we've looked at the vine. We've looked at, at the branches. Now let's look for the one who cares for all this. Scripture says that it's the vine dresser. Look, go back to verse 1. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. The father is the one that cares for the branches, that prunes them. What's the point of pruning them? Well, like I showed you with the rose bush, so that they'll produce more fruit. See, here's what God is more interested in in your life. It's a balance between quantity and quality. God doesn't want you to have all of these things halfway. Is that an abundant life? Because didn't he say that I've come so they could have life and have it more abundantly? Well, I think we need to really start tapping into that more because right now most of us settle for okay. Eh, how was your day? Eh, it was okay. It was all right. 
Did you have an awesome day? No, not really. Why not? That's what God wants for our life. So he wants us to have a quality, abundant life, but he also wants quantity as well, too, in our life, too. But we see that from the vine uh, and the branches. So the vine dresser, this is his part. Now, there's a two ways, two main ways that the vine dresser prunes us. This is where we get into this. Uh, a couple ways is this. He cuts away dead wood, obviously. In other words, when you get saved, things that aren't really of any value to you, bad habits, things that you do, um, you know, maybe stuff that you watch, listen to, conversations that you have, a lifestyle that you have that's not edifying for God, that's dead wood. What's he going to do? He's just going to cut that away slowly, but surely I'm going to take these things away from you. So he cuts away dead wood, but the other way that he prunes us is that he cuts away living tissue. Why? So that you can have a better life. Now, and I know that sounds counterproductive, but here's the thing. If things are going good, don't you want them to be better? If things are just okay, don't you want them to be good? See, this is what God wants for your life. Why is the Dead Sea called the Dead Sea? Something goes in it, but nothing comes out. The Jordan. It has, it has, it has water that comes into it, but there's no outlet for it. So it's, it's, it's a dead body of water. There's nothing going on there. So why is it called dead? Because it's stopped. That's not what our life is supposed to be about. God wants us to continue growing. He wants things to, to continue moving in our life. Hey, you know what? Right now you may be okay. Hey, I'm, I'm okay. But in three months, a year, maybe your life has gone from okay to pretty good or to good. And then maybe the next year you grow so much that your life goes to pretty stinking good. And that, that's a southern word, stinking. Pretty, pretty stinking good. That's what I meant to say. Uh, but then it goes to like, I'm having an abundant life. This is the progress that we can make in life as we remain in Christ. As we read scripture, as we pray, as we study, as we ask questions, as we come to worship services, as we get around other believers that are going in the same direction. So all of this has to do with what we do in life. The purpose of the vine dresser, the Father, is going to keep us going. Now, pruning is the most important part of the life because here it is. The worst thing that God could ever do to your life is to just let you be. Imagine if you never cut grass. Guys, imagine. I know, you're probably thinking, that would be awesome. You're right, it would, because I have to do that too. But... The reality of it is this. If we never cut grass, what would happen? It would grow really wild and crazy, and then eventually, you know what it would stop doing? It would slow down its growth. See, when we go out and we cut or we prune our grass, we keep everything alive. It's going to grow. It's going to produce more. We're, We're in the grass planting business at our house right now. We've got four acres, three acres, something like that. Yeah, wherever. Um, we've got some land that's over like two acres that we've got grass growing in. Uh, so my job this past week for, our, for my wife and our horses was to go out on our John Deere tractor, and I sing that stupid Kenny Chesney song every time I cut grass. And yes, she does think my tractor is sexy. Um, but so every time I cut grass, I sing that song. What are we doing? We let the grass grow to a certain, certain height, 
when it's, when it's dropped seeds, and then we cut the grass again. Why? So it will grow again and grow thicker and back and more. All of this has to do with pruning. It's the same thing. The, most, the worst thing that God could ever do would be to stop pruning you and let you be because you would cease to grow at some point after you got wild and out of control. See, God loves us too much. God loves us too much that he would never stop chastening us, paying attention to us, pruning us, nurturing us, caring for us, all of these things God does. And this is the picture that it says that the vine dresser does here. Now, uh, let me skip around. We've talked enough about pruning and all this stuff. Let's go to the most important thing, one of the more important things that we have here, the fruit. We've talked about the vine. We've talked about the branches. We've talked about the vine dresser. The fourth element of Jesus' teaching that he has here in John 15 is what? The fruit. Now, um, fruit is usually one of those things that people think of as results-driven. Let me ask you this. Can a machine produce results? As a matter of fact, yeah, absolutely. Beginning of the 19th century, Henry Ford's team, their machines produced a lot of results. It's called the assembly line. Can a robot produce results? Yeah, absolutely, because those assembly line people have been replaced by robots nowadays. But here's my question. Can any of these things produce fruit? Who said no? No. It takes something living and alive to produce fruit. That's where we come into play. We have to be alive in Christ for Christ to work through us in order for us to bear fruit in our life. Let me ask you this. That branch that bears fruit, does that branch ever eat the fruit? No. I mean, that's a silly question, right? Obviously, that branch is not going to eat its fruit. So what's the purpose of the fruit? That's one thing. Nourishment for others. Guys, I'm going to say this so clear. That is one of the biggest proofs that your life is so much more about others than you first. And and man, that is so countercultural because culture teaches us we got to get ours first. I got to get mine. Once I get mine, I'm going to be okay. And I'm not talking about the whole airplane thing where those yellow Dixie cups fall out of the fall out of the air and you know put your mask on first before you help others look you're all going to pass out i'll tell you about that physiology stuff later on uh everybody on that plane is going to pass out but that's not what i'm talking about i'm talking about the fact that my life is about so much more than just me that branch the purpose of that branch is about so much more than just that fruit it's about letting letting the nourishment from the vine grow into it. That way, at the end of that branch, the fruit can be produced, and that way others can enjoy the fruit that that branch produces. That is a beautiful picture of Christian maturity than when you realize that the gifts that God gives you are not about you, but they're so much more about other people. Have you been given the gift of hospitality? Awesome. Use it for the glory of God. Has God gifted you, and do you have the talent to sing or to play instruments? Awesome. Do it for the glory of God. You have the gift or the talent of sports and athletics. Sweet. 
do that for the glory of God. Whatever it is that you do, whatever your thing is, whatever your jam is, do that for the glory of God. That is when Christian maturity is at its fullest because you're letting Christ work through you. You're merely a branch, and the moment that you're severed from your source of life, you're useless. Now, that's not that you're going to lose your salvation. That's not what that's talking about. You're just not effective for the kingdom anymore. But the point is this, is that God is working through you to grow fruit. The purpose of the fruit is for others. Now, what does it look like when you're growing fruit? What does that look like? What is the first thing that comes to your mind when we talk about fruit in the Bible? What part of Galatians? It comes after verse 4, chapter 4, 5. Yeah, and I would say before chapter 6, but... Yeah, you're dead. Yeah, the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, joy, peace. That's where we go to. That is a characteristic trait of someone that is bearing much fruit. Here's some other things what fruit looks like. We bear fruit when we win others to Christ. In other words, when we go out and we witness and we evangelize, Christ works through us. That is a product of fruit that's working in our life. Some more ways that we show that we have fruit is that um, as we grow in holiness and obedience, as we grow and as we mature, that's us producing fruit in our life. Galatians 5.22 talks about the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, all of this stuff. Um, And then some other things as well, too. Now, here's my question. Can any of these things be counterfeited? Can they? 100% of the time. But here's the kicker. It's counterfeit only for a short amount of time because true fruit always has what? Zane, you said it a moment ago. Seeds that can produce more fruit. Guys, when your life, when you invest in someone's life and then that investment yields to they invest in other people's lives, that is fruit. That is not a counterfeit or dead thing. That is Christ working through you till he is implanted in someone else's life, that fruit grows, that's manifest in their life and to produce fruit into someone else's life, it's a process of discipleship. That fruit can never be reduplicated like it says here. Uh, So anyway, now, so we've talked about fruit, we've talked about the vine, we've talked about the branches, we've talked about the vine dresser. You know, one of the things that we emphasize so much is that how God loved the church Such a true thing. And I'm going to wrap it up and close with this. That God loved the church. Yes, he did. God loved the church. Uh, uh, um, He loves loves so much about the church. The Father loves the Son also. Yes, God loves you. But the Father loved the Son. The Father loved the Son when he was walking on this earth. The father loved the son when he was going through the 40, the 40 days in the desert. The father loved the son in the Holy Week, about Thursday or Friday, when he got turned over into the hands of other people and they started treating him very poorly. The father desperately loved the son when he was hanging on the cross. For us, 
So we talk about how he loved the church so much, but we can't ever forget that in this relationship we're seeing here that the vine, the branches, the vine dresser, all of that is, has to do with what we say, union and communion. See, I said all that to say this. The same love that he has shown the Son is the same love that he shows us. Yes, the Father loved Jesus. Very much so. We went through a series on that. The last saying sevens of Jesus from the cross. You can see that. If you weren't here, you can go back and watch it on DVD or listen to it on a podcast. But the same way that he loved him is the same exact way that he loves you. Because John 15 shows us this. He loves you so much that he will not let you stay where you are. He'll chasten you. He'll prune you. He will care and nurture for you. My wife doesn't know it, but, but I love to watch how she takes care of, of plants and how she prunes these things, how she goes out and she waters them and cares for them. Now, and she truly feels this way. It, it is such a picture of the gospel because that's what the vine dresser, it's what the Father, it's what God does for you. But here's the main question for the night. Have you ever got to a place to where you've taken the hope of Christ and planted it in your life? Because if you haven't, everything that we're talking about with abiding and remaining and growing and nurturing, there's no relationship there. I can take a seed, we can call it a seed of hope, or we can call it an apple tree seed. I can hold that in my hand for my whole life, and it will not do a thing. But the moment that I take that seed, and I plant it into the ground, and I cover it, and I start to care for it, and I water it, watch it grow, and prune it, it grows into something beautiful, and you know what it does? It produces fruit. We can enjoy big, ripe, green Granny Smith apples because that's probably the only kind of apples that we need to eat, except for pink ladies. If you never take the hope of Jesus Christ and plant that into your heart, there's no growth that ever happens in life. So Ben's going to come up. They're going to play a few chords and just, I want you to just sit for a few moments. I don't know, three, four, five, ten, twenty, however long it takes for Ben to feel like the Spirit has moved into your life and in this room. And I just want you to simply ask yourself do I know that the hope of Christ is in my life? What does that look like? I've surrendered my life to Jesus. If you haven't, tonight is a great night for you to begin conversations with someone and talk to them about that. I'll be in the back. Ryan will be in the back. Other college leaders are in the back as well too. Take that hope. Plant it into your life. And then abide and remain and continue in Christ 
you will have the most beautiful thing growing out of your life. Maybe you sit in here tonight and you say, Bob, I've already done that. How's your relationship? Are you abiding? Are you remaining? More importantly, the translation I like the most, are you continuing in that relationship or has it came to a dead stop? We're about to go into summer. It's about to be like fun time. Don't you want to go into fun time knowing that things are good? Don't you want to go into summer knowing that if things are good right now, they can be great? God wants so much for your life. Let tonight be that moment.